Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I'm Dylan Tyre, and this is Believe in Ohio State. to have you with me because we've got a lot to do this week. First, we're going to go over my thoughts on Ohio State's 52-17 win against the Nebraska Cornhuskers this past Saturday at the Shoe. Then we're going to talk about what the Buckeyes did in the NFL a little bit, give you my NFL picks. Then we're going to go around the Oval, the latest news surrounding the Ohio State Buckeyes, and we, of course, are going to finish up with a preview of Ohio State's very, very big Week 2 matchup in Happy Valley against the Penn State Nittany Lions. We're also going to get a score prediction from Ohio State superfan Jacob Jarvis, as we will every single week. So a packed show this week. Again, we're going to go over the Nebraska win. We're going to go over Buckeyes in the NFL, and then we're going to preview Ohio State's matchup this coming Saturday, 7.30 on ABC, the game of the week, Ohio State versus Penn State in Happy Valley. But before we do all that, got to tell you about Bet Online because betonline.ag is what makes this podcast possible. We've got the NFL season in full swing right now. College football is for real back now that the Big Ten is back. We're just waiting on the Pac-12. And while you might not be able to be at these games this season, you can still always be in on the action at Bet Online. Feel like you're at these games sweating it out with the rest of us. I know I've been a little bit cold when it comes to my NFL picks these past couple of weeks, but what did I say a couple weeks ago? I promised you guys that I was going to pick winners for Ohio State. That's exactly what I did, two for two in week one, hoping to stay that way in week number two. We've got those picks coming in just a little bit. But back to Bet Online. They've got everything. They've got game spreads, they've got totals, they've got team props, player props, even coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. They always have their online casino, too. That never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 
So let's get started. My thoughts right now on the Nebraska game, the 52-17 victory for Ohio State. Initially, when Ohio State came out, they struggled to establish the run and they struggled to stop the run. So I was a little bit nervous to start the game. But they were able to quickly figure things out, and it was very apparent that Justin Fields is an elite quarterback, maybe even better than he was last season. Ohio State was able to throw the ball at will against Nebraska. Let's start with the good from this game. Then I'll break down some of my worries, some of my issues with Ohio State's 52-17 victory over Nebraska. First and foremost, Ohio State covered and hit the over. So I was 2-0 this past week, picked you guys some winners. Very happy to do that for you. And very happy that Ohio State was able to cover and hit the over on Jack Miller's touchdown at the very end of the game. More good. Like I said, Justin Fields threw the ball at will against Nebraska. He was 20 of 21 passing with a pair of touchdowns through the air. Also another one on the ground. Had about 15 carries for 54, I believe, rushing yards. So a good day all around for Ohio State's Heisman candidate, Justin Fields. His only incompletion of the day was a drop touchdown pass in the end zone by Chris Olave. Remember, he took a big hit. He elevated for the ball in the end zone. Looked like it was going to be a catch. It was in his hands. Took a big hit from the Nebraska safety, and it was jarred loose. That was the only incompletion of the day for Justin Fields. It very well could have been his third touchdown of the day, and he very well could have finished 21 of 21 with three touchdowns. All for not, though, 20 of 21, two touchdowns, another on the ground. So a very, very nice afternoon for Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. Speaking of the Ohio State passing game, the wide receivers looked great, didn't they? Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson looked legit, as did the Ohio State freshman wide receivers. Wilson had seven catches for 129 yards in a touchdown. I think Garrett Wilson is going to be utilized a ton out of the slot like he was in week one. Garrett Wilson could very well lead Ohio State in receptions and receiving yards this season just because I think he's going to see so much volume out of the slot like Ohio State slot receivers before him did. Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, K.J. Hill, all those guys leading Ohio State in catches when they were the primary guy in that role would not be surprised to see Garrett Wilson do it this season. But Chris Olave, not far behind Wilson. Olave had six catches for 104 yards. So, I mean, these guys are spreading the field. Ohio State is chucking it to these guys. Each of their uh, yard per catch averages was uh, or were right around 18, right around that 18 to 20 yard mark, which is always very, very good. So Ohio State very clearly stretching the field to these guys. Not a whole lot of action to other receivers outside of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. They were the only receivers with multiple catches on the day. Everybody else only had one. But the Ohio State freshmen made the most of their catches. Julian Fleming made his first career catch for 13 yards, all-world uh, wide receiver recruit. And then another all-world wide receiver recruit, Jackson Smith and Jigma, made maybe the catch of the season so far around college football, contorting his body in the back of the end zone, managing to get one foot down, barely inbounds, scoring that touchdown, Ohio State's uh, second passing touchdown of the day. What a catch it was by Jackson Smith and Jigba, one of those jaw-dropping receptions that, I mean, not even the announcers realized happened in real time. Then after the review, they were like, oh my goodness, he was somehow able to do that. Just an absolutely 
freaky athletic play. Couldn't believe that reception by Jackson Smith and Jigba. But just a little glimpse of the type of athletes Ohio State has coming in at wide receiver. Can't wait to see more of that as this season continues. And you know one of those guys is going to be important in this game against Penn State. So the wide receivers looking very good for Ohio State against Nebraska. That was a great sign. Now let's talk about the quarterbacks a little bit. Outside of Justin Fields, who we just went over, weren't you surprised to see Jack Miller be the first backup to come in to relieve Justin Fields? We talked about it last week. I thought it was going to be Gunnar Hoke in a pinch and then C.J. Stroud uh, if Justin Fields was hurt long-term for whatever reason or if it was going to be the first freshman in off the bench situation. I thought it was going to be C.J. Stroud, but it was not Gunnar Hoke. It was not C.J. Stroud. It was Jack Miller, another true freshman quarterback, and he looked very good. Everybody was surprised to see him out there, but he looked the part, and that is a great sign for Ohio State. He looked good running the ball. He didn't pass. Jack Miller, two carries for 23 yards and the touchdown that hit the over and covered for Ohio State. So a pretty impressive performance coming in uh, in brief relief of Justin Fields. Fields was out there the majority of the game. But nonetheless, very interesting to see Jack Miller come in first because, like I said, everybody thought it was going to be either Gunnar Hoke or C.J. Stroud, including myself. But uh, I enjoyed seeing Jack Miller out there, and it was a good sign to see that he looked confident in his first career college football game. Speaking of that touchdown by Jack Miller, Ryan Day actually apologized after the game for scoring that touchdown. I mean, some people thought it was running up the score a little bit on Nebraska. I mean... Maybe Ryan Day knew what he was doing. Maybe the boosters were uh, happy with Ryan Day after that game because they were able to not just get the win for Ohio State, but also get their bets in, uh, get their bets covered as Ohio State covered the spread and hit the over on that Jack Miller touchdown. You know, I get Ryan Day apologizing. I get possible frustration for uh, or with Ohio State running up the score right there, running it up in quotes. But I feel like it's a little bit different in college when you're getting young guys reps. You know, Jack Miller coming in, you want to get him reps. You don't want him just kneeing the ball. Um, especially in a season like this one. I mean, we see what's happening at Wisconsin right now. All their quarterbacks are getting um, COVID-19. Their starting quarterback has a, has a leg injury. So, I mean, they need guys to be able to play. You need to know what you have. So, I mean... I don't really think of it as running up the score in week one, especially against a Big Ten opponent like Nebraska, a team that could potentially be something down the road. Ohio State's got to get their reps in, especially in a season like this one. You need to know what you have, particularly at the quarterback position behind Justin Fields, because, frankly, that's completely unproven for Ohio State. So I get why Ryan Day apologized, but I don't think he needed to. And Scott Frost went as far as saying after the game, hey, if we don't want that many points scored on us, we just can't let it happen. So it's not like he was upset that Ohio State put up those 52 points against Nebraska. He thinks that his team has to be better. One last good thing from the Ohio State-Nebraska game, Haskell Garrett. Somehow he played that game. He was shot through his cheeks just a couple of months ago, recovered in time to play week one he didn't just play. He looked very, very good for Ohio State. Had a pair of tackles, including a sack. So congratulations to Haskell Garrett for that recovery, getting back out on the field and performing like the recruit he was for Ohio State. In addition to Haskell Garrett, Zach Harrison also had a sack. That's a great sign for Ohio State. The defense overall finished with three sacks, two forced fumbles, and a touchdown. So always good when your defense is creating turnovers and always great when your defense is scoring points to help out the offense. 
So those are the good things from Ohio State's 52-17 victory over Nebraska. Now here's what I thought were the bad things. First and foremost, like I kicked off this podcast with, I thought Ohio State was bad against the run. Their linebackers and cornerbacks struggled to keep contain early in that game, but they did adjust pretty well against the run in the second half. And outside of that McCaffrey run early in the game, their backup quarterback acting as the running back gets the handoff from Adrian Martinez and uh, nearly pops off a 50-yard run. There weren't a lot of chunk plays outside of that. And also a good sign, Dedrick Mills, the running back for Nebraska, only ran for 33 yards on 10 carries. Most of the damage was done by the quarterbacks, McCaffrey and Martinez. They were each of Nebraska's top two rushers. So, I mean, I don't like that. I don't like that Ohio State struggled stopping the quarterback run, but I do like that they were stout against, you know, the uh, the prototypical um Running back run. I mean, the handoff. <laughs> Diedrich Mills only ran for 33 yards on 10 carries, 3.3 yards a pop. So that's good for Ohio State's defense. But frankly, Ohio State needs to be better against quarterbacks, and they need more of a push up front. Ohio State didn't feel like they were getting in the backfield a whole lot, didn't feel like they were really controlling the line of scrimmage when it came to the run. But I mean, you got to remember. This is the first game back after a long layoff for Ohio State. They're facing a pretty good offensive line, a big offensive line, a well-seasoned offensive line with plenty of returners on it. They have a little bit inexperienced of a defensive line, first game back. And like I said, they held the running back to 33 yards, need to be better against the quarterbacks. That's not necessarily the defensive line's fault. That's more on the linebackers and everybody else keeping contain. But I would have liked to see a little bit more of a push up front We'll see how they do in Week 2 against Penn State in that area. Now let's talk about Ohio State running the football themselves. Master Teague started at running back, which maybe you maybe you thought that would happen because Trey Sermon's new to the program. They want to give Master Teague the first look because he's the guy that's been there. He got the first drive, but it felt like we saw more of Trey Sermon in the second half. And frankly, neither running back really impressed me. Neither running back looked dynamic. The offensive line struggled to get a push in the run game. It felt like Ohio State didn't have a whole lot of room to work with, but there were a couple of runs where I felt like Master Teague had some space and he wasn't able to fit through holes that J.K. Dobbins would have fit through, wasn't able to contort his body, wasn't able to keep speed, and he was stopped for, you know, a three-yard, four-yard gain, whereas J.K. Dobbins maybe would have gone for 10, 12, 15, maybe even more. So I just didn't really think either running back looked very dynamic, and I didn't think the offensive line had their best game when it came to run blocking. Trey Sermon led Ohio State with 55 yards on 11 carries. Master Teague had 12 carries for 41 yards, so a pretty even split in the workload there. As I mentioned earlier, Justin Fields, 15 carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown. You never want your quarterback to be running that much, so I think it will be a point of emphasis week two for Ohio State to try and establish the run early against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, with that being said about the running backs in the offensive line, Ohio State finished at just under six yards a carry for that game. So, I mean, that's a pretty good number. When you're running at six yards a clip, that's not bad whatsoever. But like I did say, it felt like they struggled with the run more than that. I think there were some later runs in the game in in garbage time that boosted that total a little, a little bit. But nonetheless, six yards a carry, pretty darn good. Ohio State, like I said, going to need more success from the running backs if they want to be dangerous this season. That starts week two against Penn State. And what I mean by that is you, you can't just rely on Justin Fields and the wide receivers to do it all this season. 
You may be able to do that through the entire Big Ten slate, but when it comes to the college football playoff, when it comes to playing good teams like Alabama, Clemson, the Georgias, who have a really good defense, you're going to have to be able to run the ball. You're going to have to be able to give a look outside of Justin Fields running the ball, Justin Fields throwing the ball. It can't all be him. You need to be able to run. It makes the offense more dynamic, more dangerous. So Ohio State needs to establish the run at some point this season and keep it going into the college football playoff. Now, with all that being said about the offensive line, how I thought they struggled run blocking, I thought they were pretty good pass blocking. They were actually the highest graded Power 5 offensive line this week, according to Pro Football Focus, a grade over 90, the only team to be graded over 90. So, I mean, according to Pro Football Focus, the Ohio State offensive line was great, but I think if you were to ask Ryan Day, Greg Studrawa, the Ohio State offensive line coach, he's going to want a little bit more. They're going to want a little bit more from that offensive line. They allowed three sacks on the game, but it felt like they were giving Justin Fields a lot of time to throw the football. I think at least a couple of those sacks were coverage sacks where nobody was open downfield. Fields kind of had to run around with the ball in the pocket a little bit and uh, was just trying to make a play when maybe he should have thrown it away. But all things considered, Ohio State won that game 52-17, to so not too much to worry about when it comes to the Ohio State run. One thing I did like in the running game, Steel Chambers, I thought he looked dynamic. He looked quicker, shiftier, and more dynamic than either Trey Sermon or Master Teague. I'd maybe like to see a little bit more of him. I'd be curious to see if they want to use him more against Penn State. And as this season continues, he finished with four carries for 32 yards, along of 17. So I'd like to maybe see a little bit more of Steel Chambers. Now the last thing I want to get to, the last bad thing from this game. I didn't like the officiating whatsoever. It felt like there was a targeting on every play at one stretch of the game. Felt like they got very, very involved, the officials that is. And when it came to the targeting, I felt like I just disagreed with everyone they called targeting, everyone they didn't call targeting. My opinion was the opposite, and I get that these guys have a tough job. It's a judgment call when it comes to it. But these plays are under review. It's not like they're calling it in real time and ejecting somebody from the game. These plays are under review. They have time to look at it, and it's still kind of difficult to me to deem what's targeting sometimes and what's not targeting sometimes. Whether a guy gets hit in the shoulder, he gets hit in the head, I don't really know what targeting is still. So I think they could do a better job of maybe becoming more consistent, maybe explaining things a little bit better. But uh, in that first game for Ohio State, and, and as it as it pertains to Big Ten officiating throughout the weekend, I thought Big Ten officiating wasn't the best. I'd like to see it get better. But like I said about the Ohio State players, it was the first game back for these officials too. But I think it may be apparent that that uh, they are focusing on targeting a little bit more this season, at least in the Big Ten, because it felt like every Big Ten game I watched, there was a targeting call. But it didn't feel like the refs had great control over the Ohio State-Nebraska game, especially in that little middle portion where there were a lot of targeting calls around the area that Chris Olave took that big hit. You know, I was I was upset with that call. I can see how it's not targeting, but I mean, the guy launched into Chris Olave. He took a massive hit and fumbled. I thought that probably should have been targeting, um, given some of the uh, the previous calls in the game, but it wasn't, and it ends up being a fumble. Nebraska comes away with it. Um, applaud Ohio State for stopping Nebraska on that next possession. That's a big stop by the defense. But, I mean, Chris Olave left the game after that. Hopefully he's going to be all right. Hopefully he's going to be available for Penn State. 
But uh, that's a big hit. That's probably a dangerous play given that Chris Olave was being tackled by two Cornhuskers already. The safety comes in and hammers him and pops that ball out. Um, You know, whether it's targeting or not, I feel like that's the type of hit they're trying to take out of football. So, I mean, if if that's the case, then make the call. But uh, all, all things considered... A good win for Ohio State. They win 52-17. to They had a dominant pass offense. They need to tighten up when it comes to the run. I think they need to tighten up when it comes to the more physical aspects of the game, blocking, tackling, to be truly elite this season. I didn't think the tackling was fantastic on defense, but again, week one against somebody other than yourself, somebody other than the, the scout team, um, your own teammates. So the first time you're seeing another team that's really trying to hurt you to try to get away from you. I mean, all that has to be taken into consideration. So a 52 to 17 win is nothing to complain about week one, but for Ohio state to bounce back and kind of get these things corrected, get these small parts of the game corrected. I mean, what better opponent to do it against than Penn state a rival? a game that's going to be very heated given Penn State's loss to Indiana in week one. It's a game that Penn State really has to come away with a victory if they want to have any chance to make the college football playoff this season. So, I mean, I expect this game against Penn State to be physical. I expect Penn State to be hungry, but I expect Ohio State to be ready. And that's why I like this game. I think Ohio State will have to be even sharper than they were against Nebraska. They'll be able to tune things up and practice this week, and they'll be ready to go. So a real test like this week, too, this is when we're going to see what Ohio State is really made of. So it's a good opportunity to get all those things corrected this week against Penn State. Now let's go over to Buckeyes in the NFL before we get back into the Penn State-Ohio State preview. So switching over to Buckeyes in the NFL right now, Couple of big days for some former Ohio State football players in the National Football League. Terry McLaurin, I feel like I talk about this guy every week. Another big game for Terry McLaurin, despite playing on the Washington football team, a team that has struggled all year. They didn't struggle against Dallas on Sunday, came away with a massive victory, thanks in part to Terry McLaurin. Seven catches for 90 yards and a touchdown, plus that post-game speech that went viral. If you didn't see it on Twitter, Terry McLaurin stepping up after the game. He says, you know, I'm a young guy, but that's how we have to play. I think he has a lot of respect in that locker room. Urban Meyer talked about the type of leader that Terry McLaurin is, talked about the type of leader he was at Ohio State, and it looks like that has carried right over into the NFL despite only being a second-year player. He's stepping up on the field, he's stepping up off the field, and he's helping Washington win football games. Now, another guy that's helping Washington win football games is their second overall pick this season, former Buckeye Chase Young. He led the football team with six tackles, including a tackle for loss in that victory against Dallas. That defense only gave up three points to the Cowboys. Chase Young was a big part of that, wreaking havoc all day long. Six tackles leading the Washington football team. So big congrats to Terry McLaurin and Chase Young. That's a big win against a struggling Dallas team, and it's great to see those guys contributing in a big way. Speaking of former Ohio State defenders making big plays, Denzel Ward made an absolutely unreal play, forcing a goal line pick from Joe Burrow in their game against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Browns' victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. Ward kind of hung out right around the line of scrimmage, read Joe Burrow's eyes, saw that Joe Burrow was passing right over top of Denzel Ward. Ward elevates like no other, punches the ball out of the sky, causing an interception, um, 
Goal line interceptions, always heartbreaking for the opponent. Denzel Ward, just an unreal play. Made a number of other plays in that game against the Cincinnati Bengals, really helping the Browns to come back and win that game. So a big day for Denzel Ward. And now let's talk about Curtis Samuel. I criticized Curtis Samuel a couple weeks ago, said that I needed to see more from him, given the type of player he was at Ohio State. Said that he needs to step up with Christian McCaffrey out. It's a prime opportunity for a player like Curtis Samuel to step up with Christian McCaffrey out. They're similar types of players. And Curtis Samuel did that this week. Six catches for 48 yards, also had a rushing touchdown. Gave the Panthers every opportunity to beat the Saints in that game, but they couldn't do it. They lose 27-24 to New Orleans. But again, I like what Curtis Samuel did this week. He heard my criticism and stepped up. So kudos to him. Hats off to Curtis Samuel. Six catches, 48 yards, and a rushing score. Now, the last guy that I want to talk about this week in Buckeyes in the NFL, Carlos Hyde, the backup running back for the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Carson was hurt early in that game. Carlos Hyde stepped up, 15 carries for 68 yards and an awesome touchdown where he skirted the sideline. So a really nice day for Carlos Hyde. Guy seems like he's always hanging around in the NFL, always has those games every season where you're like, oh man, Carlos Hyde, he's a good running back. Why don't we hear about him more? Well, we heard about him on Sunday. Unfortunately for the Seahawks, they lost 37-34 in overtime to Arizona. So a really, really fun game. I mean, 37-34 in overtime. Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson dueling it out. Arizona comes on top, comes out on top in that game, but not for a lack of effort from Carlos Hyde. 15 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown in that Seahawks loss. Now it's time to go over my picks from last week. Not going to lie to you, I am ice cold right now. I was under 500 last week. I went 2-3 and three last week. This week, I went 2-4. and four. I am over 500 still on the season, though, 25-21 and 21 overall. Quickly going over the picks from last week, I had the Falcons by three points. I mean, they blew that game against the Lions. They had every opportunity to win and to cover. The Lions come back at the very end. They beat the Falcons, so I lose the Falcons minus three. Now we'll talk about the Browns and the Bengals. I had the Browns minus three. Well, they beat them by three, but Cody Parkey had the opportunity to cover at the end of the game. You guys likely know I'm a Bears fan. If you remember what happened with Cody Parkey, double doinking, costing the Bears a playoff victory a couple seasons ago. I'm not a fan of Cody Parkey, unfortunately. Ripped my heart out then, ripped my heart out again on Sunday. Had the opportunity to cover, but he misses the extra point at the end of the game. The Browns beat the Bengals by three, and they unfortunately do not cover. So, I mean, my first two picks, I probably should have hit those, and I would have had a much different week if those picks had hit. But I start off 0-2. Then I finally hit the Panthers covering seven points against the Saints. I thought that spread was way too big. I thought the Panthers are nearly as good a team as the Saints, if not better. The Panthers, of course, were without Christian McCaffrey. If they have McCaffrey, I think they probably win that game outright. Regardless, I won that bet, Panthers plus seven. Now here's where things started to go wrong. I had the Cowboys beating the Washington football team, covering one and a half points. Wasn't even close. The Cowboys scored three points on the day. Washington killed them. That's on me. That's on me. I've got people on my Twitter timeline that are big Cowboys people. My buddy Tim's a huge Cowboys fan. He said the Washington football team was going to beat the Cowboys. Should have listened. I thought the Cowboys were going to come out, look a little bit better, but... It's very apparent that the Cowboys are not good without Dak Prescott. They're not good with their injured offensive line. With Andy Dalton, at quarterback, the Cowboys are struggling. So I lost that one. 
Sunday night football I did hit. I had the Buccaneers covering three points in Las Vegas against the Raiders. They covered handily. The Buccaneers looked very good, so I hit that bet. Then Monday night football, the Bears at the Rams. I thought the Bears were going to show better on offense. They were atrocious. Matt Nagy's play calling was atrocious. Nick Foles, the quarterback, was not very good. I mean, the Bears had an opportunity to cover in this game. Nick Foles threw, um, threw a red zone interception. The Bears had some questionable play calling at times. The defense kept them in it. Defense even scored a touchdown, but the Bears were unable to cover the five and a half points. The Rams cover instead, so I finish my week off two and four overall. Now we'll go to this week's picks. The Washington football team is our team on bye. Remember, every week I pick the Bengals, the Washington football team, the Saints, the Raiders, the Lions, the Colts, Sunday night football, and Monday night football. So Washington is our team on bye this week, so let's get going with the picks right now. Sunday at 1 Eastern, the Colts at the Lions. My pick, the Colts minus 2.5 points in this game because I think that Colts defense comes to play against Detroit. It's an indoor game, obviously, in Detroit. Uh, no weather to be seen in this game. Um, I think weather would hurt Phillip Rivers a little bit at quarterback for the Colts. I think that's part of the reason that he plays in Indianapolis. He knew he was going to play inside in good weather. But uh, this game inside, regardless, in Detroit, I like the Colts covering two and a half points in this game. I think their defense comes up big against Matt Stafford and Detroit, so I like Indy minus 2.5. Also Sunday at 1 Eastern, it's the Titans at the Bengals. My pick is the Titans minus six in this game. Um, I like the Bengals. I really, really like Joe Burrow. I like what he's done this season. He keeps the Bengals in every single game, it feels like. But the Titans are coming off of a heartbreaking loss against the Steelers. I think they come ready to play against the Bengals. So I like them covering the six points in this game. I think they come with a chip on their shoulder, and I think they win this game big over Cincinnati. So I like the Titans minus six. Another game Sunday at 1 Eastern, pick number three. It's the Raiders at the Browns. My pick is the Browns minus two and a half. Similar as I talked about with the Colts and the Lions, the Raiders play indoors now. The Browns game is going to be outside. It's going to be cold in Cleveland. I think the Browns back up their nice victory over the Bengals with another win over the Raiders. This is a real prove-it game for the Cleveland Browns. The Raiders, they're good, not great. The Browns have struggled against good teams this season, but I like them covering two and a half points. I think Baker Mayfield continues his hot stretch after really catching fire in that Bengals game think he continues it into this Raiders game so I like the Browns minus two and a half points pick number four Sunday at 425 Eastern it's the Saints at the Bears I like the Bears plus three points the Saints have not played in bad weather yet this season I believe they haven't played an outdoor game yet this season I mean Drew Brees has not looked good I mean whatever you watched on Monday night the Bears and the Rams I mean the Bears defense was still good I like the Bears covering three points in this game. I think the Bears' defense is going to be too much for Drew Brees, given uh, what he's looked like this season. The Saints will probably have Michael Thomas back this week, I think, but I don't think it's going to matter. I like the Bears covering the three points, and I like the Bears winning outright as home dogs. So that's pick number four. The Bears plus three against the New Orleans Saints. Is Now we will move to Sunday Night Football. It's the Cowboys at the Eagles. They don't have a line out for this game yet, so I cannot provide my pick. I will, uh, I'll pick the game and post it on Twitter if you're interested um, once they do put up a line. So I, I will pick this game. I will include it um, in our totals next week when we talk about it. So just keep your eyes peeled on Twitter 
for my pick. Cowboys at the Eagles Sunday night football. They do not yet have a line posted, so I cannot pick that game. Now we'll go to Monday night football. It's the Buccaneers at the Giants. The Buccaneers are 11-point favorites in this game on the road. I like the Buccaneers covering the 11 points. I don't think the Giants have it in them. I think the Bucs defense is pretty good, and I think Tom Brady is finally catching fire with his receivers. I think they finally have some good chemistry. So my pick is the Buccaneers minus 11. So one more time, I'll go over our picks this week. Six picks. I've got five of them in right now because there's no line for Sunday night football yet. Pick number one, the Colts minus two and a half. Pick number two, the Titans minus six. Pick number three, the Browns minus two and a half. Pick number four, the Bears plus three. Don't have a pick for Sunday night football yet. And pick number six, the Bucks minus 11. Now it's time to go around the oval as we get back to the Ohio State University Buckeyes, the college game, So we just talked about the NFL. Going around the oval at Ohio State, in the rankings, Ohio State has moved from number five to number three in both the coaches poll and the AP poll. So the Buckeyes started off their season as number five. Their victory over Nebraska pushes them up to number three. So they are right up there now with Clemson and Alabama. So the Buckeyes, number three in the country. Um, as it relates to TV coverage for the Ohio State-Penn State game, College Game Day is going to be at Penn State on Saturday, so they will be in Happy Valley, so check out College Game Day on Saturday. Of course, the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions, the 7.30 game on ABC, the game of the week there for ABC. College Game Day will be there on Saturday, so make sure to tune in bright and early. And then one note from Ohio State's game against Nebraska on Saturday. In their season opening win over Nebraska, quarterback Justin Fields set an Ohio State record for completion percentage for a quarterback with 11 or more pass attempts. So 952 is the completion percentage for Justin Fields. If you remember, Tate Martell in that game against Rutgers a couple years ago went 11 of 11 passing. Um, so that's why it's that 11 or more pass attempts because he was perfect in that game. Justin Fields sets a due record for completion percentage for a quarterback with 11 or more passing attempts. Remember, Justin Fields was 20 of 21 passing. So it's time right now. Let's get into it as that does it for Around the Oval. Let's preview Ohio State at Penn State, Ohio State's game of the season until the Michigan game. I mean, this is a big one for Ohio State. They come in ranked third. Penn State drops to number 18 overall after their loss to Indiana this past Saturday. Again, the Ohio State-Penn State game will be at Penn State Saturday at 7.30 on ABC. The spread opened at 8 in favor of Ohio State, so the Buckeyes minus 8. On some books, it's already moved to minus 13, minus 14. I've seen it um, the most at like 10.5, 11.5, around that range. But our pick is going to be minus 8, because, uh, or it's going to be with that 8-point spread. I shouldn't say that I'm picking Ohio State yet. But uh, our, our pick this week is going to be with that 8-point spread, because that's what it opened with. And uh, our over-under this week is going to be right at 63. So, I mean... What does that tell you? It tells you that people think this game is going to be a little bit closer than many do. At least Vegas thinks this game is going to be closer than many do. And uh, they think it's going to be pretty high scoring. I mean, 63 for this game, I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, given Penn State's defense, I know they gave up a lot of points against Indiana Week 1, but they didn't give up a lot of yards. They only allowed 211 yards. I mean, Penn State in that game, I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, but they, they turned over the football six times. Um, 
with uh, their three missed field goals included in that. So, I mean, that's a lot to give up if you're Penn State. But but I was surprised by the over-under number in this game uh, at, at, at 63. So they, they think it's going to be close. They think it's going to be pretty high scoring. But with, with the line opening at 8 and then getting it bet all the way to 14, I mean, that tells you the public is crazy about Ohio State in this game which makes me a little bit nervous given given the eight-point line. But let's get into Ohio State notes first on this game. Ohio State has won five of its last six games at Penn State's Beaver Stadium, so that bodes well for the Buckeyes. They play well on the road. They've played well in that whiteout game, but remember, no whiteout this season because there will be no fans in attendance at this game. Three of the last five meetings have been one-possession games. Two of them have been decided by one point. Both Ohio State victories in those last five meetings have been, uh, they've been trailing by 10 or more points in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, this is uh, this is a matchup that's been very tight for the past few seasons. Very, very tight. I mean, going back to, uh, to the past five games in this series, in 2015, number one Ohio State crushed Penn State, 38-10 to at Ohio Stadium. 2016, Penn State beats Ohio State 24-21 at Beaver Stadium. That's when Ohio State was ranked number two, that crazy um, crazy block field goal at the end. That was a nightmare game for Ohio State. 2017, number six, Ohio State 39, number two, Penn State 38 at Ohio Stadium. That crazy comeback orchestrated by JT Barrett and everybody. 2018, number four, Ohio State 27, number nine, Penn State 26 at Beaver Stadium. The crazy comeback orchestrated by Dwayne Haskins at the end of that game. Just crazy. Then 2019, number two, Ohio State 28, number eight, Penn State 17 at Ohio Stadium. So these games have obviously been very, very close going back past four or five seasons. I think this year's game is going to be a lot like last year's game, Ohio State winning 28-17 last year. I'm going to give you my score prediction a little bit later with Jacob Jarvis as we'll talk about that. But those are my notes on Ohio State coming into this game. They've had a lot of success on the road at Beaver Stadium, but the games have been very, very close against Penn State. Now let's get into things about the Penn State Nittany Lions. And and I went kind of short there on Ohio State because, I mean, we watched Ohio State. I talked about them earlier. I talked about what they need to do this week uh, against Penn State um, when we talked about Nebraska. But I will get into key matchups and that sort of thing later. But let's really focus on Penn State right now. Like I mentioned, they're coming off a loss at Indiana, 36-35 to in overtime, falling from number 8 to number 18 in the AP poll. Now, that's a bad loss. That is a bad loss no matter who you are. You're a team starting out at number eight. You have an opportunity to make the college football playoff with some key wins this season, and you lose week one in a shortened COVID-19 season. That cannot feel good for Penn State. But like I said, it was kind of a weird loss because they dominated that game on paper. On offense, they moved the ball all over the field against Indiana. And on defense, they didn't allow a lot. They only allowed 211 yards of total offense to Indiana. But it comes out a 36-35 victory. They outgained Indiana 488 yards to 211 in that game, but three turnovers and three missed field goals killed Penn State. I mean, for all intents and purposes, that's six turnovers right there. Three missed field goals, I count as a turnover because you're giving the ball right back to Indiana. So six turnovers total in that game, and they were still right in it. And on top of that, 
Penn State had an opportunity to run out the clock at the end of that game, but they scored instead, allowing Indiana to have the ball back and tie that game. So as bad as that loss looks for Penn State, they were good enough to be right there despite essentially six turnovers and poor clock management at the end of the game. They were good on defense. They were good on offense. So, I mean, Ohio State's going to have their hands full despite this loss for Penn State. Talking about their quarterback, Sean Clifford, he ran for 119 yards and a touchdown in that game, and he utilized his tight end, Pat Fryermuth, seven catches, 60 yards, and a touchdown. So those two players are going to be key in this Ohio State game. I'll get into why in just a few moments. Jahan Dotson had four catches for 94 yards, including a 60-yard touchdown to lead the Penn State wide receivers in that game. He did also have a fumble, though. And uh, in the backfield, Penn State could be without their top two running backs against Ohio State. Journey Brown right now, maybe their best offensive weapon, is out with an undisclosed medical issue. He missed the game against Indiana, will likely miss the game against Ohio State as we don't really have an idea about what's going on. And then their number two running back, Noah Kane, left the Indiana game with an ankle injury, so he may be out against Ohio State. Now, despite that loss, like I said, Penn State's defense was very, very good, only allowing 211 yards. That was the lowest Week 1 Big Ten total among all games in the Big Ten. So, I mean, Penn State's defense, despite the loss, I mean, they're good. They are good. Ohio State will have their hands full. Penn State's defense definitely better than the defense of Nebraska. And Penn State did that without their best player and maybe the best defender in the country, Micah Parsons. Remember, he uh, he was an Ohio State target on the recruiting trail, instead decided on Penn State, was very, very good last season, might be the first defender off the board in the NFL draft this upcoming season, but he opted out at the beginning of this season, not wanting to deal with, uh, with the whole COVID-19 issue, not wanting to deal with this season, get ready for that draft. So Penn State's going to be without him all season, but their defense still pretty darn stout in Week 1 without their best player. Additionally, they're going to be without Jesse Lukita. He's going to miss the first half against Ohio State. He was called for targeting in the second half against Indiana, so maybe another opportunity there for Ohio State to exploit a missing linebacker in the Penn State defense, at least in the first half. Now, without Parsons... Defensive end Shaka Tony and safety Lamont Wade, those are the best two defenders for Penn State. They looked like it against Indiana. Shaka Tony had two sacks, and Wade had an interception and a fumble recovery against Indiana. So, I mean, they've got playmakers on both sides of the football. They're without a lot of important players, too, so Penn State a little bit weaker than they would normally be. Um, without Micah Parsons, without Journey Brown, I mean, they could be without Noah Kane, but still a good team without those players, so it's going to be no easy test for Ohio State this week. So that's kind of what Penn State looked like against Indiana. They moved the ball on offense. Sean Clifford looked pretty good despite a couple of turnovers. Jahan Dotson looked good despite a turnover. Um, Pat Fryermuth looked good at the tight end spot for Penn State. And then their two best defenders, Shaka Tony and Lamont Wade, were huge in that game. Like I said, Tony, a pair of sacks, Wade, an interception, and a fumble recovery. So those are going to be players to watch against Ohio State. Now here are some matchups to watch in my eyes. First and foremost, Ohio State running backs and wide receivers against that safety, Lamont Wade. Ball security is going to be huge in this game. You cannot afford turnovers to Penn State because they're going to make you pay. They turned the ball over against Indiana. They were still right in the game at the end, so you cannot turn the ball over to Penn State. Ball security is going to be huge. 
Lamont Wade forced three fumbles against Ohio State last season. He was part of those two Indiana turnovers in week one. So this guy's a ball hawk. He's going to be coming after it for Ohio State. Justin Fields has to be careful throwing the ball back there. And the running backs getting into the second level, the wide receivers have to cover that football up, make things difficult on Lamont Wade. Do not allow him to force fumbles like he did last week, like he did against Ohio State last season. Matchup number two, Ohio State linebackers versus Sean Clifford and tight end Pat Fryermuth. Very clearly, Ohio State struggled defending the quarterback run against Nebraska week one. They also struggled defending Nebraska's tight ends. Nebraska's tight ends were a couple of their leading receivers in that game. Now, last year, Ohio State didn't have an issue stopping Penn State quarterbacks or tight ends. Pete Warner covered Pat Fryermuth for much of that game, held him to 40 yards, held him to six yards a catch. That's very, very good. Penn State quarterbacks last year didn't have over 40 rushing yards. Um, Sean Clifford in that game didn't have one rushing yard. Then they brought in the backup. He ran for 38 yards on 18 carries. So, I mean, not, not a whole lot to do there. Penn State quarterbacks running the ball last season against Ohio State. But obviously things have changed as Sean Clifford ran the ball all over Indiana. Ohio State got the ball run all over them by quarterbacks in week one against Nebraska. So that's going to be a huge, huge matchup here. The OSU linebackers versus Sean Clifford and Pat Fryermuth in week number two. As I mentioned, Pete Warner covered Fryermuth last season, held him to 40 yards. But Warner has switched linebacker positions, remember, this year. Playing the weak side linebacker after playing the strong side last year. So somebody else is going to have to step up, step up on Pat Fryermuth likely in this game against Penn State. Not sure if that's going to be a safety, not sure if that's going to be a, a nickel-type corner, not sure if that's going to be Barrett Browning, and, and it could be Pete Warner. They might just say, Pete, you locked up Fryermuth last season. We need you to do it again this year. That all remains to be seen. So those though, or that is a key matchup to watch in week number two against Penn State. Those linebackers are going to have to be good spying the quarterback, Sean Clifford. They're also going to have to be very good defending the tight end, Pat Fryermuth, because those two guys could pose issues for Ohio State. Matchup number three to watch this week between Ohio State and Penn State, the Penn State front seven versus the Ohio State run. As I mentioned earlier, Penn State's going to be without Micah Parsons and linebacker Jesse Lukita. He's going to be out for just the first half. Parsons, of course, will not be on the field because he opted out this season. Now, Indiana only ran for 43 yards on 25 carries against Penn State, so a very, very stout defensive front in that game for the Nittany Lions. Now, it's very clear that Justin Fields is elite, very clear that he can throw the ball, very clear that he can run the ball. But if Ohio State can't run, there's a very good chance that Penn State is going to key in on the pass. And Ohio State is so good passing the football, there's also the opportunity, or there's also the chance, I should say, that uh, they're just going to pass the football. They're going to say, you know what, we're not going to run, we're going to do what's working, we're going to pass the football. Because this is a game that you have to win, you can't afford to try to work things out all game long like you could against Nebraska. So if OSU can't run, they might just say, screw it, we're going to pass this game. Now, if they have success running the football, look out, because they're going to be very, very dangerous. And my money is on Ohio State trying to establish the run early in this game. And if they're able to do that, it opens up the playbook entirely. I think Ohio State's going to kill Penn State if they can run the football in this game. If they can't, I think it's it's going to be closer. If they can't establish the run, I think Penn State's going to be able to key in on the Ohio State pass. I think it's going to make things much more difficult for Justin Fields. I think it's going to make things much more difficult for these wide receivers. So Ohio State 
has to try to establish the run early in this game. So a key matchup, the Penn State front seven, the defensive linemen, the linebackers against the Ohio State offensive line and the running backs in this game. Now, my final matchup is the officials versus everybody, because like I said, I did not like all the targeting calls in Ohio State versus Nebraska. Penn State had Jesse Lukita ejected for targeting against Indiana. So if the officials get the chance to call targeting in this game, I think they're going to call targeting, which could result in a major loss for either team. Saw Ohio State lose Sean Wade in the college football playoff against Clemson last season. Obviously, Penn State lost Jesse Lukita week one against Indiana this season. There were a number of calls that could have gone both ways in the Ohio State-Nebraska game. So don't allow the officials to make those calls. Tackle smart. Don't go high. Don't use your head. Both of these teams need to be smart because they want to keep the officials out of this game. You can't let the officials decide big things in this game because if it gets out of hand, I don't like Ohio State's chances. Just just because if Ohio State's losing players left and right in this game, that, then Penn State is going to have the upper hand. You can't let that happen. So play smart in this game. Play hard. Be ready to go because Penn State's going to be ready to go too. Don't let the officials decide what's going to happen. Right now, it's time for our picks this week. And with that in mind, let's throw it to Jacob Jarvis, Ohio State super fan Jacob Jarvis. is First, we're going to talk about the Nebraska game a little bit, his thoughts on the Nebraska game. Then we're going to get his score prediction and my score prediction for the Ohio State-Penn State game. Let's just get started talking about the Nebraska game a little bit. How did you feel at the end of that game? I was a little bit nervous about Ohio State for what they did against the run, particularly yeah. the Nebraska quarterbacks. I was a little bit discouraged by that. And then, on the other hand, I was a little bit discouraged about how Ohio State ran the ball with their running backs, particularly in the first half. But I thought everything got pretty straightened out in the second half. How did you feel about that? Well, in the first quarter, I felt a little nervous. But in the second half, I thought we had it, thought we had it in the bag. And I think we just dominated them. If they think they can um, beat us on our own turf, that didn't seem the case. No, you're right about that. That did not seem the case. And maybe for as slow as Ohio State started – like we both said, they definitely figured it out later in the game. And that's really thanks to Justin Fields and what he was able to do, throwing the ball with the wide receivers. A couple of young wide receivers stepping up. Saw Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave have just huge days. I mean, Justin Fields only had one incomplete pass, and it probably should have been a touchdown. Chris Olave dropped the ball in the end zone. He took a big hit, but still a catchable ball there. Justin Fields is going to have been – what a perfect 21 of 21 on the day with three touchdowns, but he finished 20 of 21 with two touchdowns, also a rushing touchdown. How happy were you to see Justin Fields perform the way he did? Well, I know um, he plays like Braxton, like a Cardale Jones type guy. I just think he should not run as much because I don't want him getting hurt on the first few games. I think if we can keep him consistent on throwing the ball, I think we'll be good. Yeah, I mean, I was really nervous. That's a good point by you because, I mean, he ran the ball 15 times in that game, and you never want to see a guy like Justin Fields running it that much, right? Yeah, you never want to see your quarterback run for, like, 15 carries. They're not a running back, they're a quarterback, and they think they can just not throw the ball, but you have to throw the ball if you want to win games. And I like the um, Nick Saban comment. He said offenses win games on this era. They think defenses can win games, but – offensively, if you can, you know, generate some yards, some touches. I, I like what Nick Saban said. It kind of makes sense. You can't always depend on your defense to win games. 
And I think your offense also deserves that. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that statement, especially because I don't know if you were able to see any of the the Penn State-Indiana game. But, I mean, Penn State's defense was really good in that game. They only allowed Indiana 211 yards of offense in that game. But they end up losing. And that's because Penn State turned the ball over three times. They also missed three field goals. So that's essentially like six turnovers in one game. They were still in the game because of what their defense did, but their offense probably cost them that game. And, and they also had an opportunity to drain the clock at the end of the game, yeah. scored a touchdown and gave it right back to Indiana to give Indiana a chance. So, I mean, that's a good point by you about, you know, in this era of college football and in some cases this era of football, even to the NFL, offenses can win games. And that's very, very true for Ohio State because, I mean, if Ohio State were to get in a track meet with the team because their defense looked good, not great against Nebraska, if they were to get into a track meet with the team, it would be up to Justin Fields to keep them in the game. And, I mean, it really looks like he's capable of doing that. Would you agree? I think I think he is capable of using his legs to do it all. I just think if he can just focus not, not on the Heisman, not on what championship game, it's too. It's way too early to just even figure that one out. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like people saying he's going to win the Heisman. It's he's only played one game. I'm right there with you, especially a game like this week against Penn State, because as you very well know, anything can happen when Ohio State plays Penn State. You know, they they set the over under for the game, they set the spread, however much Ohio State's going to win by. But the Penn State game, I'm always kind of nervous about that type of stuff because I really don't know when it comes to this game, especially when the game is going to be played at Penn State. But this year, there's no wideout. There's no fans. So do you think that's going to matter at all? Because that wideout is always big when Ohio State goes there. And that's a tough thing to go play in, but that's not going to happen. So do you think that's going to help Ohio State? You know, I think it will help Ohio State because there's not as – the student body is not there. So I think if they can focus on the run, it's not as much as on the outside, on like in the stands and win games, then I think, I think we have a chance against Penn State. We just cannot get distracted on whether or not – there's a whiteout or not because football is football and you can't always focus on the fans. And I mean, and you know, Ryan day is going to have this team ready to go because he knows how important this game is. Penn state knows how important this game is because they don't want to start off. Owen two. They were not expecting to lose that game to Indiana. They were expecting this game against Ohio state to be their game of the season early in the season. And now it's really like a do or die type game for Penn state, because if they want any shot of making the college football playoff, they've got to win this game against Ohio state. So they're going to come out swinging, but Ryan day wants to have this team ready, right? Yeah. And I think, um, I think Ryan day is a good coach. And I think, I think he's really trying. I think he's trying to help us get to those big games, those championship games and the way he's coaching. Um, I think I think we can get there. If you had to pick out a couple of things that Ohio State needs to really focus on against Penn State, what are they going to be? Is it going to be the run offense and the run defense? Because for me, I think that's going to be the most important thing of this game, establishing the run and, and taking some of that burden off of Justin Fields. Yeah, taking some of that um, off of Justin Fields might help. Trey Sermon can make plays, but we didn't see that against Nebraska. So, you know, also on the other side of the ball, Penn State, Clifford, he can use his legs, and he's a good passer. He can throw deep balls if you leave him open. On the first quarter, I did not like the way Penn State acted. They thought they could just win the way, you know, 
say, you know, I'm going to go come here and win against Indiana. Indiana's nothing. And, you know, if you always mess around like that, always think that way, you're going to lose games. And they've got to be in a weird kind of mental spot coming into this game because it, it was apparent that they came out like that against Indiana because they found themselves down 17-7 to after the second quarter. So it's kind of like, oh, man, what are we going to do here Here going into the second half? Indiana came to play, and I'm not sure if we did. And they tried hard. It looked like they were going to win that game at the end. But it comes out that Indiana wins, game goes the other way, and Penn State's going home 0-1. So they got to be feeling really weird coming into this game against Ohio State. So I think it's time for it right now. You were almost spot on with your score prediction week one against Nebraska. You said 49-20 against Nebraska. It ended up being 52-17. to So you gave what? You gave Nebraska a field goal, and you took off a field goal for Ohio State. So you were, <laughs> you were right there, which uh, I really liked because you're starting off hot. But now let's get to Penn State. Like I said, it is hard to predict what's going to happen between these two teams. I hate doing it. I think for me, I'll give my score prediction first this time since I, gave, since I made you go first last time. For me, I'm thinking something along the lines of, 38 to 20 for Ohio State. Kind of similar to last year, maybe a little bit more for Ohio State, but I like 38 20 Ohio State. How are you feeling about this one? You know, they're only throwing one, but still, you know, it's hard to win games in Happy Valley. So I'm going to have to say uh, 42 21. 42 21 Ohio State? Yep. Oh, man. So you like Ohio State. I mean, that's not much more than I, because what did I say? 38 to 20. So, but you like Ohio State to score 40 points in this game and bring it to Penn State's defense a little bit. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. You know, their defense didn't look good at all against Indiana. Jake, as always, great to talk Ohio State football with you. Thank you very much for joining me. So you're liking 42-21. All right. All right. That's, that's made me think a little bit. I say 38-20, you say 42-21. The Ohio State offense is going to keep it rolling against Penn State. No wideout, no problem against the Nittany Lions. Jake, again, thank you very much. Cannot wait to talk to you next week, man. Yep, you just made my day. Thank you. So always great to talk to Jake Jarvis. He was right on the money last week, Ohio State against Nebraska. Remember that game finished 52-17. to Jake picked what? 49-20 in that game in favor of Ohio State, so he was right around the mark there. This week against Penn State, he picks 42-21 to Ohio State. I pick 38-20, to so both of us right there again. I, I think we're right around that same spot, which leads me into my picks, Ohio State against Penn State. Remember this game opened with Ohio State is eight-point favorites, and that's going to be my pick. I pick OSU minus eight in this game. I think it's going to be closer than many of you out there probably think. You see Penn State with a loss and you say Ohio State's going to kill them. I think it's going to be a closer game than we think, but I think Ohio State covers eight points in this game. I think they pull away later in this game. The line opened at eight. It's already moved to 13 in some places, maybe 14 in other places. So obviously people are all over Ohio State. There are some weird numbers behind this game. I mean, they're, they're not, frankly, numbers that are going to get you excited about betting Ohio State in this game, but they're also not numbers that are going to get you excited about betting Penn State in this game. Ohio State is 1-5 against the spread in their last six games against Penn State. Like I said, they've been very, very close. Penn State is 2-4 in their last game or in their last six games against the spread, and they're 0-5 against the spread in their last five home games. So 
Penn State has not been good playing at home. They've not been good covering at home, but Ohio State hasn't been good covering the spread against Penn State. So, I mean, it's a tough game to bet, but my gut tells me Ohio State minus eight this week. I think they get the run game figured out, and I think Justin Fields is dominant again, and I just don't think you can stop a guy like Justin Fields. So I went 2-0 and last week picking the spread and picking the over. My first pick, minus eight this week, Ohio State, and I'm going to pick the under 63 points this week. So OSU minus eight and under 63 are my two picks this week for Ohio State. The total has gone under in four of Penn State's last five games against Ohio State, and the total has gone under in four of the last five Ohio State games overall. So I like the under this week, Penn State and Ohio State. My score prediction was 38-20 Ohio State. Jake's score prediction was 42-21. I mean, that's right on that 63. My pick is under the 63, and I think that's what happened. So I have OSU minus 8 this week in the under of 63. So that's going to do it this week on Believe in Ohio State. like to thank Jake Jarvis again for joining me this week and providing his expert pick. Looking forward to have him back on the show next week to break down this Penn State game and preview the following week. like to thank Bet Online for making this podcast possible. Make sure to get all your picks in at betonline.ag ahead of the Ohio State-Penn State game and ahead of football Sunday this week. And as always, I'd like to thank you for joining me this week on Believe in Ohio State. Cannot wait to talk to you this time next week. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.